Well, good morning, everybody. A new year. Where does the time go? Fast. It goes very, very fast. It really is. So, but it's nice to be here this morning and just to share a bit with you on this. This the first Sunday of the new year. It's a real privilege to do that on, on the first Sunday of, of a new year. And, and it's, it's challenging. Oh, it's challenging. <laughs> it's noisy. But this morning, I wanted just to pick out one or two things that uh, hopefully will be a, a blessing to you. Um, if you've got a Bible, um, let's read one or two verses first. Is this echoing is it okay? Well, that, well, I better use the other mic, you think. Is it okay? Okay, okay. Acts chapter 1, it says this, and it's the very well-known verses, and verse, verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by its own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now that's a, a great inspiration to any Christian, really. And this morning I want to speak on this first year of living with hope in your heart. Okay? Living with hope in your heart. When I, when I just got hold of this particular uh, phrase, um, I went back to the Liverpool song, Walk On With Hope In Your Heart, and I had to get rid of it all, you know, because it's, it's the same words. But living with hope in your heart is, to me, a key factor. You know, Mark was talking about lifestyle Christianity, and I'm, I'm with that all the way. I have learned many things and manuals and formulas, but we are unique people with unique gifting, with a, a unique set of, of, of relationships, and you are the people that are going to affect those people. And so I'm very convinced to, in, in lifestyle Christianity. Because wherever you go, it happens. If you're where God wants you to be, fruit happens. And uh, it makes you look good, by the way. It really does. You think, boy, wasn't Bob good there? You know. But that's not, not Bob, it's God, isn't it? So living with hope in your heart. Now, the early church had a powerful motivation, and it was this, Jesus will return to planet earth just as they saw him go into heaven. That's a pretty good motivation, isn't it? Wonderful. They were living between two great, um, two great events in history, the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And these are our key factors today. And there are two occasions in the world when someone from outside the world came into the world. I don't think it was UFOs, do you? <laughs> because quite simply it's this. It was Jesus' birth was the first one. And the other one has yet to happen. And you know, in the Gospels you'll realize this, that, that Jesus actually, 
never said, I was born. He said, I came. Which gives you the, um, the appreciation he always has been. You know, and all this hypocrisy and, and heresy uh, that says he was born and that was, he was just new. No, he's an everlasting God. And that to me is so important as we look forward today. So, whenever the Bible speaks about Christ's second coming, its purpose is always to change people to action. A lot of, I, when I was, I, I was younger and I, I was in, in, in a particular denomination in Scotland, and we had loads of guys coming along about speaking about the second coming of Christ. And they came with all their formulas, how he would come, when he would come, how it would happen, and all that. And it was great to think, oh, he's coming back. But, you know, the coming of the Lord is not about you know, looking to, to see how he's going to come back. It's a call for us to motivate ourselves to draw people to Jesus before he comes. It's as simple as that. That's what the coming of Christ is all about. It's not navel-gazing. It's about sharing the expectation that he is coming again. And to me, in this new year, it's a time for distinctive Christian living. That, to me, is what it's all about. And I was thinking about, you know, can you imagine being there when Jesus ascended into heaven? Can you imagine it? And, you know, they saw him rising up, you know, and you saw him going up there. And I just wonder how they felt then. Because they'd never seen anything like this before. Then they saw guys in white coming and, and talking to them. Now, I would love to have been there at that. But, you know, you've got to realize that these were Galileans. These were ordinary people like you and me. And they were having this experience of a resurrected Savior rising up into heaven and angels, or whoever they were, coming down from heaven and talking to them. Now, I believe, I know Pentecost was coming up quite soon, but I believe the motivation for action in the followers of Jesus was started right there. They had never seen anything like this before. And I think you and I have got a real experience and a real dimension in our spirits now. We may not see things physically. Some have seen visions and dreams, and that's true. But I think that in all our experiences, there's a dynamic within us by the Holy Spirit of God that will give us revelation that will blow us away. And that's important. And that gives you encouragement because these guys saw something they had never seen before. And I believe God wants to say to you this year, you are going to see things you have never seen before. Now, are you with me in that? God is the God of surprises. You're going to see some stuff. And I think that's so important. When I look back now and I realize there was stuff, I believed in a lot of stuff. You know, I was a good theorist. And, and I believed it all, but I'd never seen it. Like the feeding of the 5,000. Great story. Until I went to Mozambique um, for the first time uh, and, and lived at one of the centers there that Iris has. And, and, you know, they were having a conference. I've shared this before, but it's a, it's a point I'm trying to make here about you're going to see things you've never seen before. And I had never seen this before. And when I realize it now, uh, there was a thousand people expected at this conference. Heidi Baker was coming. And they, they bought chicken for a thousand people. Now, you don't buy chicken off the shelf in freezers over there. They had to buy them all live and kicking. You know the idea. And it was, it was you know, they brought all these chickens into the, into the big kitchen, and they cooked them for 24 hours. 
they kept, you know, cooking them, killing them, cooking them. And we were lying in the hospitality area, and there was a big ghetto blaster going on over in, in, the, in the kitchen to keep them awake, likely to, to, to get their chickens cooked. And you know, I heard this song, and another one bites the dust. You know, <laughs> And I thought, poor chicken, you know. But it's my sense of humor, by the way. But I mean, it was, it was so timely. But then the day came for the conference, and 3,000 people turned up, not 1,000. And I realized, interesting. And I went to the kitchen with the big, big pots, and I saw all the chickens dead and cooked. Um, and my mindset, humanly, that'll never, that'll never feed them all. I must be honest there, I did say that in my mind, but when I saw them going out to the, to the people there, they were giving them out to the kids with their big greasy hands, Ooh, they were loving it. Um, and, you know, 3,000 people were, were fed, and there were some left over. And I thought, that's quite biblical, isn't it? And, you know, that's a principle that I found today that it may not be a physical thing like that, but I believe all of us have within us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a distinctive dynamic that will affect other people. The early church saw, and they saw an ascended Savior, then the Holy Spirit coming into them in, um, at Pentecost, and you and I are living in that age today, the age of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I find it challenging when I think of many people who have been involved in this way. You know, when we live with hope in our heart, Corrie Ten Boom, one of my fame, my heroes, she said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And that's important. When we are close to him, when we've got that intimacy with him, we don't know what the future holds, but we know, of course, who holds the future. And to me, that's very important today. We didn't know what the future held, but we know who holds the future. You know, and hope, hope is neglected today. I, I really feel uh, strong about this. You know, hope is neglected. We always say, I hope so. That's not what I'm talking about. We have hope, folks. We have hope. We have an inheritance that will never fade away. And to me, as we go into 2019, don't forget that. Somebody said this, that hope is faith in the future tense. That was a good quote, that. Hope is faith in the future tense. When I look back now at our own experiences, when I realize what's happened, we realize that God is there. So the Lord's return is not primarily a doctrine to be debated. It's not that at all. Um, or even discussed, albeit we like to discuss, but an incentive to live out the purposes of God in our lives. That's what it's for. That gives me hope. Because when I realize what God has done and what he's going to do, it really encourages us. So one of the most, most, one of the most important verses in the Bible is this, Romans 8.32. He did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Yeah. The Christians are people of the all things. Yeah. Now, all means, and when I think and look forward and look back, God is a God who gives immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And to me, that's a principle of living the Christian life. I'm not saying it's always cloud nine. Hello. It's not always cloud nine, is it? 
But has God changed? No. The circumstances are pretty enough at times, but that doesn't negate that God is there and He is with us. And He wants to bless us. And so, um, somebody said this. It's a, it's a secular quote. Don't watch the clock. Do what it does. Keep going. And I think we need to realize that wherever we are, let's go with God and let us trust God. So, when I thought about this, living with hope in your heart, how best can we live this out? Well, some of the, 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 the very well-known verses are in Romans 12, and I know that I think you preached on this, Mark, some, somewhere, sometime in Romans. Um, and I want just to, to echo them a wee bit again, because I think there are principles here of living with hope in your heart. And they're found in Romans 12, and it's verse 9. It says this, Love must be sincere, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, in prayer. share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And in an essence, that's what you were saying at the beginning, Mark. <laughs> and and it's, it's, to me, it's a God word for all of us today. This is how we live with hope in our hearts. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing we can see there in verse 9 is be real. Be real. You're not going to get rocket science this morning, folks. Be real. That's all it says there. And it says love must be sincere. Now, it comes from two words, cine, which means without, and also sera, which is wax, which means without wax. That's the word sincere, without wax. And it comes from the early days from sculptures, where a, a, a sculptor did a sculpture, and he um, and made a mistake, or there was a crack in it, he filled it with wax to cover up the mistake, the flaw. And so, when a sculpture was without wax, it was an authentic sculpture, sculpture without any cracks at all. That's what sincere means. And I thought it was a really good picture of that. Love must be sincere without wax. Because I could imagine these sculptures, they put, we put wax in and the heat comes on, and the wax gets melted and the cracks show anyway. And so it's not an authentic thing at all. And I think one of the things is this. If we, if we are sincere, sincere, living with hope, we need to be authentic and flawless. Now, I know we're not perfect, but God is calling us to be holy because he is holy. So we need to be real today. That's how we live with hope in our heart. The second thing is this. Be good. It says in verse 9, hate what is wrong, cling to what is good. Um, you know, people don't hate evil. <laughs> they hate the consequences of evil, don't they? That's the problem. When I think of people who are living out good lives, um, we think of Mother Teresa, you know, I, I can't, or Corrie ten Boom, living in circumstances that we will never fully understand. And she could say, um, Mother Teresa, no one has ever become poor by doing, doing good. And by doing good, that's a rich vein of blessing, you know. It's a rich vein of blessing. It says in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. You know, 
that's so important. He wants to bless us abundantly. He calls us to be good. But you know, fear limits. Fear limits being good. Fear limits the hope in our heart. All of us have got that dimension at times because of circumstances. And I think it's a real challenge for all of us to live the way God wants us to live. Francis Frangipan, who's a great writer, said this, fear is the dark room where Satan develops our negatives. So that was a good quote, that. I'll say it again. It's not mine, so it's good. Um, fear is the dark room where Satan develops our negatives. Oh, boy. I thought, that, that hit me. And I thought, oh, I've been in the dark room quite a lot, haven't I? You know the idea? Uh, and, and, and the goodness that we should have is, dr is drained out of us because of, of those fears. So God is calling us to, to be good. And the third thing is simply this. Be genuine. Verse 10 says this. Love each other with genuine affection. And this is family love. I love what we did this morning. Wishing each other a happy new year. I love sharing together. Family is, is, so, is so, so important Genuine affection. People come for the presence, as Bill Johnson said, but stay for the family. We all love the presence and worship and teaching and all that kind of stuff, uh, and it's great that God is here, but when there are relationships in the Holy Spirit between us all, that keeps you where you, where you want to be. That's family. I like being with my family, don't you? Yeah. In a natural sense, I love being with my family most of the time. You know, uh, you know as, as my father used to say when I brought our three boys up to his house, he said, it's lovely to see you, but it's lovely to see you go. <laughs> and I thought, that's not right, Dad. Then I've got grandchildren. Bye-bye, girls and boys. You know the idea? And that's family life, but we still love them, don't we? And it's so important. The point is this, that we need to be genuine and have that family dimension if we are the genuine article, people will see it in us. That is God's presence. I read a book recently by Reinhard Bonnke. Now, Reinhard is a, an amazing guy. I think the book was called Are You Fireproof or Inflammable? Sounds like a book by Reinhard Bonnke, don't you? Um, and uh, I read this story, and it really got me. It says, he went to a music shop in Johannesburg with his music director to look for a new keyboard. The salesman in the shop suddenly came to them in shock as he said to them, Sir, I can see Jesus in your eyes. They forgot all about the keyboard and had a revival instead. <laughs> Afterwards, as Reinhard Bonke walked back to his car, he kept saying, Lord, I'll never understand how can a total stranger walk up to me and say, I can see Jesus in your eyes. Good question. And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Jesus lives in your heart, and sometimes he likes to look out of the windows. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a bit, that, must, that must be God, that. That's, that that's, that's really good stuff, that. So it, the eyes are the window of the soul, aren't they? And, you know, when you look into people's eyes, oh, boy, I can see, oh, good stuff. Okay, <laughs> mostly, you know. <laughs> but you know what I mean by that fact? If you've got a family relationship and you look into each other's eyes, Cheryl, you've got always had good eyes, you know. Uh, don't know about you, Mark, but you've got good eyes. You know, right? But the point is this, that eyes, you know, 
people seem to see a lot in your eyes. Um, and to me, that's being genuine. When you look into people's eyes, you know what they're thinking about you or how they are in a, in a natural way. And so if we live with hope in our heart, we need to be genuine. Love each other with genuine affection. Hope in the heart comes out and blesses. But also it says in, in these verses, be honorable. Verse 10, take delight in honoring each other. It's not about rights or privileges or prestige. It's about humility. That's the mark of a true Christian is humility. And I just think that's a great example to have that you look at people that you know and you see such humility in, in their eyes and humility in their actions. And I think that's very, very important to understand that there are people who are honorable people and they haven't even said a word. You just know that they are people that you should honor. And I've had one or two things over, over my, my life when I, had, I was a little bit, um, what's the word? Critical. Because, you know, me being pastor, you know, of, of a, a church and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a few years ago, um, down in Dorset, I, um, I may have sh shared this story before, but I can't remember, but it fits into what I want to share this morning, about uh, honor. And because we had a couple that came to retire from Africa, from the Congo. And they came to our church, and um, they had been 40 years there. They were the only couple that survived the Congo uprising in their area. Amazing, amazing situation. But they came to our church, and um, we had nice meetings. And we had a Monday night prayer meeting, and we prayed nice prayers. About 30 or 40 of us came in on Monday night, and we prayed. And this couple came along to the prayer meeting, and we were praying nice prayers. And all of a sudden, this guy began to pray. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, who is this guy? He was not praying the way we prayed. You understand what I'm saying? He was a Pentecostal. And Pentecostals were, we were a mild shade of charismania then. You know the idea? <laughs> but when this came along uh, into our prayer meeting, and he prayed in a way I have never heard prayers before, and I thought, I'm going to watch this guy. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm repenting this morning, okay? Um, and I thought, and you know, we put, we kept them at arm's length, the two of them. Harold and Alice were their names. And um, I thought, I've got to go and see them anyway. I'll go and talk to them. They lived about 200 yards from where we lived in the, in the town. And I went over to see them. And um, lovely to see them. Made me a nice cup of tea and cakes and the usual stuff. And the first thing that he said to me, Bob, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. That was the that's how he did it. He really went for me. <laughs> Finger pointing stuff. Holy Ghost. I says, okay, Harold. Okay. I thought I didn't really believe in that stuff very much then. You know, you know what I mean? Um, and we went there a few times to see them. Every time I went, Bob. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. He wouldn't let go. He was like a dog with a bone. And they were lovely people. Hearing their story was just unbelievable. But his wife, Alice, was very quiet. She made the cakes and made the tea. That's why I went, really. You know the idea. <laughs> but the point is this, that she was there, 
And whatever she said was worth listening to. You know, people, they don't say much. My wife's like that. She didn't say much, but when she says something, it's worth listening to, which I have to sometimes. But the point is this. She's not here this morning, so I'm okay. But the point is this, that I said to Alice, Alice, what's your background? Tell me a bit about yourself. Where are you from? I think she was from Lytham St. Anne's, actually. Up your neck of the woods. Proper place. Proper place, yes. That's right. I think it was Lytham, around about the area that they came from. And, and she says, well, who are you, Alice? She says, I'm, I'm the granddaughter of Smith Wigglesworth. Oh. And I thought, drat. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt an absolute idiot. You know the idea? You know, because we, many of us know Smith Wigglesworth was one of the great revivalists. He was the granddaughter serving us tea and coffee, and I am thinking, keep them at a distance. There was no honor there in my heart then, by the way, folks. There was no honor there. And I had to repent of that quite, quite, quite quickly and very easily. They became very much part of our family. And in fact, when they went back to Cape Town where their, where their, their family had a ministry, I took them to the Heathrow Airport, had a Harry Rams and fish and chips with them, and put them on the plane. Because the honor for them just rose, because I sat with him, and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. As well, through that as well, you know, so that's okay. So call it what you like, but it was this honor is so important. That was the biggest lesson I ever learned, and I'll never forget it. So if you want to live with hope in your heart, you've got to be honorable because hope just dissipates and fades away when there is that dishonor in our lives. Uh, It divides. You know, Calvin Coolidge, who was the 30th U.S. president, said, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. You know, that's so important. We honor God's name when we call him our father and we live like his children. And to me, honor is so, so, so important. So let's realize that fact. But also, be on fire. Verse 11, don't be lazy. But keep the fires of the Spirit burning. Otherwise, keep your spirits at boiling point. That's another translation of that. Or keep yourselves fueled and aflame. You know, it's so important that. I look back now and we've heard all about Toronto and about Catch the Fire and all that. Well, that's where I caught the fire. (laughs) It was in Toronto 25 years ago now. And, 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 you know, just just, a a wee church there before they get the bigger place. You know, that's where the fire was lit for me, you know, and because I was a little bit lethargic, a bit cautious, cagey about all these new moves of the Holy Ghost. You know the idea? And went there and realized, hey, this is something great. And 25 years later, I am still on fire. And are you too? Hello? You've got to be on fire all the time. Don't be lazy. It's not worth it. Don't be lazy, but be be, keep the fires of the Spirit burning. And, you know, it's so wonderful just to see that fire coming out as God brings revival, as God brings salvation to people, as he moves in different situations, and as we see what's going on all over the place. And this fire is still going. And many of you know about the, the whole Toronto thing, but I, I was with John I, I, just a few weeks ago doing a, taking him around about the place, and we took him down to Taunton. Uh, we hadn't been before, and we got churches there to get together, and we got hired a school, and there was n- nearly 800 people there. And it was one of those moments, because we had been sitting talking to John about 25 years, 
and all that kind of stuff. And, and he is still as, as amazed yet at what God's doing. But what was lovely that particular evening, um, it was like being in Toronto 25 years ago. All of a sudden, in this school, he just walked up and down the, the whole place with his microphone, praying for folk, and folk were falling in the spirit, folk were saying, you know, becoming Christians, folk were just laughing, folk were crying, and I, I said to Eileen, hey, this is, this is, this is Toronto again. It, it wasn't Toronto, it was the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? You know, because he's everywhere. And I, I feel uh, we must always be encouraged to keep the fires burning in our hearts because things can change in that way. So that's a really important point because it says in Matthew 3 and 11, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So fire is involved, folks. So let's catch the fire more and more and more. But the final thing I want to share this morning is this. Be hopeful. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. I think one of your words last year was joy, Mark, wasn't it? You, 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 was it joy? Was it, was it last year or this year? Oh, yeah, my word for this year is joy. That's right. Ah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So we have a happy pastor <laughs> and, and a wife. Is that okay? Yeah. Amen to that, you know. Be joyful in hope. There will be difficult times, and I know that, um, but it says in one of the translations, base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Because that's where the sure foundation is in all that we say and all that we do. So this morning, I just wanted to encourage you with these facts that the best is yet to be. You know, there's so much more going to happen. And even though I'm in extra time now age-wise, I'm believing that there's more yet for all of us in every age. Is that okay? Because I want to enjoy every moment before Jesus comes might even come before, before I go. That would be great. That would be easier. It would be cheaper too. No idea. <laughs> but, 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 the, but, the point, but the point is this. To my family anyway. But the point, the, the point is this. It's so important to, to be joyful in hope. And, you know, it, it, it's wonderful whether we're in heaven or here. I want to, want to finish with a, a quote from a Scotsman. Sorry, Mark, but it's got to be a Scotsman. Um, but... Uh, it's quite a good quote. Is that okay? And it's, talk, it's about, talking about the future and, and who we are and, and so forth. And it, it was this, an old Scotsman, while dying, was asked what we thought of death. He replied, it matters little to me whether I live or die. If I die, I will be with Jesus. If I live, Jesus will be with me. It's not rocket science. Wherever we are, he's with us. And I want to encourage you with hope in your heart that, you know, he is with us. So be hopeful. Be hopeful in all that God's going to say to you, all, all, all the things that God has for you. God just wants you just to, to live with hope in your heart. The heart connection is the key to it all. That's the key to it all. It's not the formulas. It's not the style it's all about the actual hope in our heart. And we've got that heart connection with God when we know him and we live like we should be living. I think it's important this morning that we just realize that we have, in serving God, great expectations. We're living, God's calling us to action. He's calling us to action this year, to go and grow, as Marcus said, 
And I believe that if we live with that hope in our heart, things will absolutely be... You got, have you got a wee word, yeah? <laughs> That's knocked me off. What was I going to say? <laughs> Thanks, guys, very much. I would like to do something just together this morning. But do you want to say something before you do that, Joyce? Yeah. Feel free, feel free. No, it's just along what you've been talking about. Because while we were praying this morning, I really just felt in my heart for God. So, you know, we're praying about hope deferred. Yes. Um, <clears throat> felt that um, <clears throat> some of us, we've hoped for things in our hearts and we've not seen them year after year, year after year. And because of that, we've either just grow, you know, um, feel defeated about it. And I felt God was saying to speak words of life into those situations mm -hmm. and to um, speak life into the dry bones. I don't know why I'm emotional. But if that's you, you know, like God says, he's, it's not a new year for him. It's a continuation of who he was, who he is, and ever be. And if God placed hope in your heart, he placed it there for a reason. Yeah. Just for the fact that you've not seen the things that you've hoped for does not mean that they are not there. So that this morning, I really just want to pray, as we've prayed in the prayer meeting, that those hopes will come alive, that your faith will rise up, because faith is a substance of things hoped for, and it's evidence of things not yet seen. So I don't know what Bob wants to do, but I just feel um, before we do anything, if that's you, you don't have to come out if you don't want to, but it's something that you've been hoping for, been dreaming, you've been desiring. And now it's going to thinking, oh, it never happened. It never happened for that. I've been hoping I've been, my hope has been dashed. God wants to restore that hope back to you. He wants to bring life mm -hmm. to that thing in your heart. Just as Olive was um, praying and it came to me again, that hope deferred makes what? The heart grow weary. But he has come to give you life and life in his fullness. So if that's you thinking my hope has been dashed too many times, this is the time for you to bring this hope back to God again because it's his breath that will bring life into the situation. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand? Keep that in mind, what Joyce has said. Respond to that, please. But on this first Sunday of the year, I'm sure God has put in your hearts something specific for this year that you're praying about, that maybe God has spoken to you about. Allow him just to see that germinate in your heart and your mind. Just allow the Holy Spirit, open your hand up to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit just to come and, and give revelation to you. God is saying, I want to, to live with hope in your heart. And there are things in your heart and life that I want to break into in Jesus' name. To change in Jesus' name. To activate in Jesus' name. To heal in Jesus' name. To bring salvation in Jesus' name. So allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you right now in your heart, in your mind. I'm talking about things that are very positive, 
things that are encouraging, things that you are looking forward to this year, whatever that may be, God knows each one of us. And he wants us to live with hope in our hearts that what will take place. As we live the life he's called us to live, he will then release the fruit and the blessing of that hope in your heart. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just fall upon each one of us right now and release each one of us, Lord, and empower us, Lord, to be people who've got a heart connection with you, but revelation from you in a way that will change our lives and those around us. So Holy Spirit, empower us afresh. Baptize us afresh in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Equip us and gift us to be people of power in a way that would bring blessing to this area of Cambridge or wherever we come from. So I pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I love God to speak to you there as we worship. If you've got a song, Scott. And if you want to respond to what Joyce has said, please come forward. There are, come over here. There's a ministry team area here. You can get prayer for that. But let's worship God and let us respond to that, all that we've heard this morning that will take us into this new year. In Jesus' name.